Welcome to Chat Your Own with Candy and Noodle, the monthly chat show podcast about all things now, then, and tomorrow. It's a little politics, a little art and science, and a whole lot of feminism. Liberal as fuck. Welcome back to Chat Your Own. I'm Candy here with Noodle. Hi, Noodle. Hey, Candy. How's it going? It's going. How you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. You know, checking along, doing uh-huh. the things. Happy uh-huh. to be back in the studio for a morning show. I know we've never done this before. It's very interesting. It's like it's real bright in it here, is, and everybody's full of energy. I had, I'm eating, I'm drinking coffee and not wine. It's very, <laughs> it's very Shocking. unsettling. Actually, I don't like it one bit. I, I wonder that how that's Jonathan. how that's going to change like the tempo of the conversation. If it's not going to slow down right. at the end. All of a sudden we seem alive. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Candy and noodle in the morning. Mm-hmm. Way too chipper. Everybody relax. Uh, we are here this month with our most favoritist friend who has moved oh so far away. We are here with Kira. Hi, Kira. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Uh, you know, I, I am tired. I don't know what noodle is talking about. It is not the chipper time for me. Uh, well, the, I mean... It's afternoon, I guess, for you, because yeah. it's, yeah, it's barely morning, really. It's yeah. 11.30. <laughs> Gross. Gross. <laughs> I'm on vacation. I should be in bed. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and uh, Kira, before we get going, you would like to say something special oh, to yeah. our listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, we have, we have a really new experience mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready for this? It's super sexy. Hello. Uh, all opinions stated today are my own and not reflected of the company I work for, ZeniMax Online Studios, or its parent company, ZeniMax Media, or any of its subsidiaries. Thank you for your time. I feel like this gives us a new level of professionalism. I agree. Like right. we're, we're legit now. Uh huh. That, yeah. that somebody had yeah. to give a disclaimer in order to get on our show, I I'm think. I'm super glad I could help you guys out. Yeah. I, I mean, leveling up, right? Mm-hmm. Shit. Plus yeah, one. I feel Plus one. <laughs> uh, also, re- reviewer guys, if you got to listen to this, I apologize in advance for the, the casual swearing. There's so much casual swearing. Yeah, language is just, a problem. Language it's a just problem. a thing. We'll try not to be like overt. Right. I don't but know if you guys know this, but game companies not super against swearing. Fuck quite, yeah. Quite casual. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. that is good. That is really, really, maybe, really good. Maybe it'll be formal uh, swearing, not so casual. I feel like we need to look up old timey swear words now. Uh, are <laughs> like, we, are we going to actually talk about formal swearing? Because I think we should. That I, sounds wonderful. Uh, don't should. you just do it in a tuxedo? Oh, so anytime Sing. Bond swears, that it's that is formal, formal swearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyone else think about Idris Elba immediately? Because that's where my brain goes now. I, I, I saw an excellent uh, mocking article where it says Scarlett Johansson is being considered to be <laughs> play the first uh, black James Bond. Ah, Scarlett. To play the first black James Bond. <laughs> yeah, nice. Scarlett, you make the worst choices. I, uh, I, I appreciate that article mm-hmm. quite yeah. a bit. Um, it's a good joke. And I love me some Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so this month we are going to talk about something we've all experienced in a few different ways, which is... Moving super, super far away, just getting away from your home space. Um, It's interesting. There are two different people. There's people who want to go places and people who absolutely don't want to go far away at all. People who insist on buying homes down the street from their parents. And it's a very, very different look, I think, outlook on the universe. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Before we talk about that, we are going to jump in with what you read, Noodle. 
Well, I am reading two books that at first glance look very, very different, but when I talk about the analysis behind them, they're very similar, which is surprising. So I am reading uh, So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijuma Ulu. Um, if I said your name wrong, I'm so sorry. Uh, I looked up how to pronounce it. I practice it a bunch of times, and then you get in front of the mic and you get nervous. Um, so, so You Want to Talk About Race, I, was, I bought this six months ago. And I've been looking at it for six months, and I'm thinking, God, Vanessa, you have to read this book. Just do it. It's the right thing to do. Learn about it. Tackle it. Just, like, do it. Face it. You just work through it. And I'm expecting this very, like, um, statistics-heavy, dense book that's going to be hard and brutal and intense. And instead, it's this really wonderful, inviting, conversational book where she really says, oh, you want to talk about race? Let's have the conversation. And it outlines a lot of, okay, there's there's like two phases of it. Phase one is, so you're already an ally. How can you be better? And phase two is, you're not an ally. And let's examine why. Um, and it's it's wonderful. It's it's surprisingly disarming. She's, it's not funny, but it's charming, and it's, it's written with such love and care and emotion behind it that you, you really feel like she wants you to understand and, and adjust to it and be a part of the conversation and be, be a better person. Um, you know, we talk a lot about emotional labor, and there's this, this theory uh, that white people tend to turn to their POC friends and say, explain this to me. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me how to be better. And so we put the onus on the POCs to fix the problem for us. And this book really does a lot of that emotional labor in advance so you could stop bothering your friends and instead have the wherewithal to recognize the situation and gives you tools to, to adjust to it. Um, so it's great. It's really engaging. I've I loved it. I loved it. I cried. Um, I mean, I follow her on Instagram. I'm a big fan. Uh, she is, her brother is married to Lindy West. Um, and I just, like, I imagine them sitting at the kitchen table having, like, the most serious but funny conversations at the same time about the disastrous state of the world. Uh, and I just, like, I, I loved this book. I was really, really deeply invested in it. And I read it quick um, and just, like, was it had a huge range of emotions around it, but ultimately it was a joy to read. And I immediately applied one of the techniques around Did it. You? And I was like, yes! Uh, I was in a conversation, and this book prompts you to ask about company diversity policies and what kind of changes they're making. And I'm in this conversation, and I said, so how come you only employ white men? And the person I was talking to was like, yeah, that's a problem, and we need to fix it. But I was like, great, what's your strategy? So I felt really good about like immediately applying to this situation, uh, the the knowledge I learned from this book, and it's great. Um, uh, that's a really good um, description. What you said about having that kind of labor part done before before you start the conversation, because I have read articles uh, with people of color saying that they don't they're happy to have that conversation. They want you to ask those questions, but also it's exhausting. And I I personally can't imagine. I mean, I know just as a, from a woman's standpoint how exhausting it is so I really I don't know how exhausting that might be and because she's both a, really, a woman and right, a black woman that's a really interesting tool that that this book uh, that I didn't realize yeah it, it would come great. along with us yeah um and the other book that I re that I read is called what Alice forgot by Leanne Moriarty who, which I'm also saying her name wrong I think 
uh, who is most famous for having written Big Little Lies, which they made into a mini series, full season, uh, I don't know, uh, on yeah, HBO, which was great. It was great. Season two is, yeah, is filming, season two so they're, they're doing, doing right now. Yeah. But what Alice forgot is the story of a woman who wakes up having fallen down at the gym, and she's 39 when she wakes up, but in her brain, she she has lost all of her memories for the last 10 years. So she still thinks she's 29. She thinks that she is married. Uh, she's uh, pregnant with her first child, uh, six months pregnant. And she thinks that she is in this wonderful new marriage with this man that she's like deeply in love with. And it's her soulmate and so on. And she wakes up having lost the memory of having had three children. And is in the middle of a divorce from this same man. And the book examines... If you compare yourself, who you are now, to who you were 10 years ago, would you still like yourself? Um, and it's about what choices do you make to end up where you are. Um, there, I mean, there's a love story. There's, like, there's a lot of fluff going on as well. Uh, and I really thought this book was just going to be fluff. And it turned out to be surprisingly heavy and surprisingly uh, contemplative about how do you end up being the person that you end up. And I think it's really interesting to have compared to have been reading those two books at the same time about examining why you believe the things that you believe and why you make the choices that you make and why you act the way you do uh, and how you end up there. So I, I really I was shocked at how much I enjoyed this book. It was we were looking for a light, fluffy book, and instead I, I picked up a surprisingly personality-heavy book. Um, and so I, I thought about it. I was like, okay, so I'm 35. What was I like at 25, and how would I think about myself today? And I realized that I would have wiped out huge portions of negative memories. And then I thought, well, don't those negative memories make you who you are? Like, don't you want to have had those experiences and remember why you make those decisions. And some of them, yes, and some of them, no, as it turns out. And then I was like, okay, so if it's 10 years, what was I like 20 years ago? And I was like, well, 15-year-old me would beat the shit out of me. Oh, my God, 15-year-old me would be like, you suck. Why aren't you in a, you know, why aren't you in a band or writing a book or famous for fucking something, Noodle? What happened to you, Also, man? how come people call you Noodle? Like, there's, there's like, a lot of space there. Who are you? Right. Um, but I thought it was really interesting and reflective, and my book club read it. Uh, we have yet to meet about it. We will someday. Um, but I, I loved it. So two two very disparate books that are both about self-analysis. Um, this book sounds terrifying, actually, a little bit. Uh, it, rem it immediately makes me think of, which one has nothing to do with the other, but Fifty First States, which I think we've talked about. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah. immense creepiness in that movie of the fact that she wakes up every day not knowing anything about her life and has to be reminded and I could not imagine waking up every day being massively pregnant and not knowing why could you imagine waking up the day that you're like giving birth like and not knowing that you're it's I actually a very creepy movie is my I, point I, think I it's know a that I'm pregnant movie. and I'm shocked every and day it's still friggin weird yeah I uh it's interesting it's very interesting um I think we should just uh, jump right into it let's do it jump right into where where we've gone and come from so I I will just start to say I am from the suburbs of Chicago, and I moved to Los Angeles when I was 25, which was 10 years ago, and I'm still here. Next. I'm from small town New York, about an hour north of the city, and went to school in Maryland, three hours away from home, and then moved to Los Angeles, uh, 3,000 miles from home, and I moved here in February of 2005, and I'm still here. 
Uh, I am not still here. Uh, I lived in LA for a decade. Mm. Um, it's bullshit. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so I I uh, grew up largely in Seattle, and then I moved away for college to Nebraska. So that was a pretty big change. Uh, and then thereafter, I moved to LA, and now I am currently residing in Baltimore, where I have been for about a year and a half. As Noodle sometimes angrily reminds me. Sometimes angrily, or like that I sometimes remind you, because I feel like I'm, it's always angrily. It's very far away. Um, and actually, if I'm going to jump in just with one thing, because yeah. made me think about it. Uh, that's a big part, I think, of moving far away that you have to deal with, which is the constant guilt of when are you coming home? Yep. From everybody in your life, when are you coming home? But uh, it's so good to see you. I miss you. When are you coming home? Right. And I don't know about you guys, at some point for me, it, it got to the point of almost just being disrespectful. Like it, it became when you don't really have something to say to somebody. So you say, how are you? Um, and you, you don't have anything to say. And then the only thing you have to say is that. And it just became, if you have nothing to say to me, then don't talk to me. And if that's all you have to say to me, stop being so disrespectful of my life choices. Well, I, I think that's actually really interesting. Um, so when you when you were starting talking about this, you you mentioned that there are people who want to stay forever, and then there are people who want to go somewhere else. Um, but I do think that we are starting to be in a point in our lives where there are people who moved away, but are like, shit, man, I'm starting a family, and I should go back, because it will be easier um, with my family to be in a place that is more familiar, is this home where I have these pre-built-in relationships. Um, so so I understand why people ask, because they see yeah. this pattern happen of people who move away to become who they're meant to be or for work or to find themselves and then do eventually come back at some point, even though that's not what everyone does. That's true, yeah. I actually I have a, a cousin who... Uh couple of cousins I feel like who went away to college and came home after a sh very short period of time because they just couldn't be away from their family that's the face I make um but yeah no that's <laughs> and, and I it's a thing I mean it is a thing that's just that's who you are and it's cool but it's it, yeah that is a thing the coming the cycling back is is definitely a thing the faces referenced are noodles uh <laughs> and they are pretty excellent and they yeah. are uh, we make a lot of faces on we the show. We make a lot of faces. So I guess the first time you move, you know, you have these high expectations around college and what you're going to be doing in college and what's this going to like look like. And that's that's one experience for sure because, you know, the college experience by itself is definitely has its own framework of expectations. But the first time you move to a new city um, outside of college and you're like, this is where I'm going to, like, make my mark and this is where I'm going to stand, the expectations are in it. Like, you picture, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to make friends with the person sitting down next to me and they're going to turn out to be my soulmate or I'm going to move to L.A. and I'm going to walk down the street and I'm going to get famous right away because the photographers will see me or the agent will find me or uh, I have this expectation that I'm going to buy a house and it's going to be very glamorous or like whatever, you know, whatever Instagram tells us life looks like. And thank God there wasn't Instagram at the time because I would have been like the saddest sack on the planet. And as it was, it was pretty sad. But like... So uh, the expectations when you first do it are drastically different from the reality. I know I spent the first six months crying myself to sleep every night, and I moved here with a friend of mine, so we were, like, together and sad. And it's so lonely. Yeah, yeah, it's crushingly lonely, and you can never figure out the time frames for when you talk to your friends. Like, what time is it here versus what time is it back there? And can I call, or are they busy? Am I bothering them? Oh, my God, what have I done? Why am I here? I have to have a job. This is bullshit. There's, like, all of these things that were really uh, surprising when you first moved to a new city. And even, like, stuff like, I don't know where the Target is. I don't know where the CVS is. And I don't have 
any clean clothes or a laundry machine, and I don't know where the laundromat is, and it's horrible, combined with being an adult for the first time. Um, Which is horrible also. So, I mean, did, did you guys find like similar expectation crushing or new experiences instead that, that made it better? I, in my situation, I don't think that I had a ton of expectations. I moved mostly because I had to get the fuck out of Chicago. I was, which is not anything against Chicago. I, I love Chicago. Um, but I was just, I was drowning. I was not making it. I was not moving forward. I was stagnated and I didn't like it. That's such a great word, stagnant. Um, I moved in with, I immediately moved in with my boyfriend at the time who had already lived here, who is now my ex-husband. It's complicated. It's got its own set of complications, the situation. Um, but I don't think, I mean, I had new relationship expectations. So it was kind of clouded by that. I had no oh, expectations about LA. You would have had LA. that like rose gold right. glasses um, still. Rose was, gold because Instagram again. Yep. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> Just put that out there. That first year was pretty crappy. Um, uh, but my my biggest concern was just didn't really kind of didn't matter where I went at that moment. I just had to go. So I didn't have any de- like destination-specific expectations. When it comes to being a grown-up, um, I don't know. I thought I'd be a lot cleaner. You know? <laughs> I just, I thought everything would, no matter where I was, I thought everything was going to look like, you know, the set of a television show. And that's like, F that, because they're dusting every five seconds. Like, that's not what your house looks like. So that was a big letdown. Somebody whose job that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't afford that person. So that's not real life. Sometimes it is. Oh, Noodle is looking at me expectantly. Well, so yes, I guess is, I should this, talk now. Yes, yes. <laughs> About your expectations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my, so it was a decision for me of, of where I was going to go when I, when I left home. I knew that I wanted to basically be the next Buffy. Um, and I was trying to decide where, what the best place that would help me do that. You know, because I wanted to act. And Wait, I was, I, important clarifying question here. Uh, Buffy the character or Buffy the Sarah Michelle Geller? Because like, do you actually want to go out and slay vampires? I just, I just want to. I mean, who doesn't? Okay, so, so actually, Buffy. Okay, yeah. no, that's fine. I just, I just wanted to, to make meant, sure we're all on I the same page. I meant that here. character that she played was someone who, who got to be funny, who got to be dramatic, and also got to kick a lot of ass. Um, and those are all things that that I loved and wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to do something that was that was just acting. I wanted to do something that involved my whole self. Um, there's the face again. Whole self. Um, so And so I was debating um, whether I was going to move to Vancouver, um, BC, where I do have some family, or I was just going to take the plunge and move down to LA, where I knew one person. Uh, and I'm like, well, look, if I am really serious about trying to become an actor, which, side note, I am not now. <laughs> <laughs> just an update. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty. That's a pretty universal statement. I feel like at this yeah. table, yeah. Um, uh, that you know, I should. I should just go for it. And I was moving to LA, and I wasn't allowed to leave LA until I felt that I had really given it a good old college try. It actually. See, that's a good expectation to put on yourself. Yeah, it's not an expectation about the city. It's an expectation about yourself right. and your deliverable. Right. Like. I was going to, if I had felt confident, I had, I had tried as hard as I was going to try, um, then I was allowed to leave LA. Um, and so I, I was like, all right, well, I'm going for it. You know, go big or go home. So I moved to LA, LA and I moved in with a girl who I had met uh, when I went to stunt school. 
Um, and, you know, we had been really good friends and we had hung out and we had done partying. Um, uh, done partying. Okay, I was going to say done partying, but it's like, you know what? Let it go. We should say that all the time. Guys, I am. If I, well, you know what? I am done partying. I am super hip, you know? <laughs> Super, super hip. Um, and so I get there and I, and I, you know, unpack all my stuff. And she's like, oh, hey, I just wanted to tell you one thing. Um, by the way, um, my husband and I were having trouble. Um, and I had never met him. So I moved in with her and her husband. Um, and, and she's like, and the way we decided to resolve our trouble is to become Jehovah's Witnesses together. And can I witness to you? So I think as expectations and what you get... Yeah, that's pretty. That's a big gap. That yeah. sounds like you were done partying real quick. Mm-hmm. I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, shockingly, that living situation did not end up working out. I, I, I don't know why. I am not laughing at the idea of being a Jehovah's Witness. That's <laughs> just fine. I just I'm laughing at the like shock factor of right that sort of change right after we, you've moved in. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, so so that was a challenge. Um, the other really good expectation versus what I got was, so I was uh, planning to move to L.A. And my Wait, uh, hold on. How long yeah. did you live with that girl for? Uh, I think about six months. Okay. Well, okay. That's, that's like a reasonable amount of time to yeah. be like, oh, well, this is not. Yeah, and yeah. This is not the place. I tried really, really hard to make it work. Um, her husband did not care for me because he knew that uh, his wife and I used to go out partying and have a good time. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a bad scene, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but very wholesome. Totally yes. harsh my LA mellow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my dad's like, oh, okay, you're moving to LA. Let me buy you a gun. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> your surgeon father. Your brain unexpected. surgeon father. Which is an unexpected. My, my, my brain surgeon father who grew up in the South. So right. that's an so important that, that reminder. Makes that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's still unexpected. And I said, okay, Dad, uh, let, let's say you are going to buy me a gun. What, what's your plan about where I keep this gun to keep me safe? Uh, and he's like, oh, I just figured you could keep it in your purse. And I'm like, okay, Dad. Um, <laughs> okay. You have really tiny purses. That's also true. Um, but despite that, I'm like, hey, Dad, have you ever known any woman to be able to find anything in her purse in under five minutes? Um, you know what? It's a joke. Um, I'm still for it. Noodle's <laughs> face doesn't like it. I totally... Totally. Uh, feminist podcast. <laughs> decrease volume one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, we could talk about conceal and carry at another, another yeah. time. Uh, at which point he was like, okay, well, Still you can carry. keep it in your trunk. And I'm like, dad, what good is a, is a gun going to do in my trunk? I like his, like, the, the, I feel like he had a list of responses <laughs> for all of your questions. Eventually we're going to get to strap it to your damn face. Uh, and, and since we decided that there was not a useful place I could keep this gun for protection, uh, that I did not, in fact, need one. And you know what? In L.A., after living here for a decade, I did not ever find that I really needed a gun. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. No, I have. I mean, I, knock on wood. <laughs> you know, everybody's safe. Yeah. Um, interesting. There you go. Mm. Some some fun facts about yeah. expectations when moving to like Los it. Angeles. That is so. Funny. So now we're here, mm-hmm. and we're living in this new city for the first six months, and it's and it's pretty miserable. Uh, the saddest I think I ever was in those first six months, keeping in mind that I cried myself to sleep at night. The first Christmas that I was here, um, my my friend who I'd moved out here with, Giz. What up, Giz? Uh, Giz and I had a little miserable Christmas tree <laughs> and we went to CBS, Rite Aid, whatever, and bought a bunch of ornaments 
And they were terrible, ugly ornaments. They were like those just, they could not have been cheaper, grosser looking ornaments. And a lot of Christmas lights. Because, you know, you buy Christmas lights. And we lay down with our heads under the tree with all the lights off, except for the Christmas lights, looking up and like telling stories about Christmas with our families and how much better it was. And it was so sad. And we were sad together. But it was such just like this brutally, oh, God, we're so lonely. Everybody else knows people and is having stuff and doing stuff. And we're just like in this shitty apartment being sad. Um, and I remember thinking, fuck, I'm going to have to make some fucking friends. Like, this is a problem. And kids didn't last a whole lot longer after that, um, which, you know, is fair. And weirdly enough, that same scene was on Grey's Anatomy, like, the next season of them that under the Christmas. But they were happy under the Christmas lights. Like, they had, like, a jolly version of it. And we were like, this is the worst. Um, and I think that was the moment that I thought to myself, I, I either need to commit to living here and start interacting or I'm going to go home, and I don't want to go home. I, I don't want to live in New York. I, I want to live in Los Angeles. So it was it was pretty pretty terrible. That does sound terrible. That's like the worst Lifetime Christmas movie ever. Yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> and because we're both real short, mm-hmm. uh, the tree, like, covered, like, half of our bodies, and it's just, like, feet sticking Aww, out. Like, it's just very, very, like, Wizard of Oz awkwardness. So it had its funny moments, too. I, I I am not, I, to me, that sounds like glutton for punishment stuff. Like, and, and Once you feel sad, you want to feel sadder. Right? Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we were doubling down on the sadness. Yeah. I, I mean, to that end, I have, I have never done a solo, a true solo Christmas, um, even though I have lived not in Seattle for more than a decade. Yeah, I also didn't have any money as a bonus. And yeah. nobody, nobody offered to fly me home, you fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I either always went home or um, finally, about five years ago, I was like, no, fuck this. This is stupid. I am tired of always traveling. You guys can come to me because I have lived here long enough that I have proven that this is my home. Uh, I don't live there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was my home. But it was Damn. my Plot home. twist. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I am trying to force my family to come out to Baltimore mm-hmm. for for the holiday. Where there'll be snow, but manageable snow. Right. Like not, yeah. you're not potentially getting snowed in in Canada. Yeah. Right. But less snowboarding. Less snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I, I believe they also have snowboarding in Maryland. They've got to. I just I, don't I know where. <laughs> I just drive around and look for snowboarders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> watch anybody? anybody? Watch ooh, ooh, that one has skis strapped to the top of his car. Follow that car. There's some over there. Uh, I, uh, before I say my saddest moment, because I will totally give you my saddest moment. Okay. Um, and this might open up a whole nother conversation. But uh, in regards to what you were saying about coming out here specifically to act and perform and all these things. It's not why I came out here, mm-hmm. but I have from home expectations that were really difficult to deal with because the f- it's it was weird that I was moving to LA not for that purpose. And there were many years that I was here where every time I would go back to Chicago, I got when are we going to see your name in a movie? When are we Are you famous? What are you yet? doing? Because yep. it essentially it really was um, well, why? And because I had my ex, it was, that was why. Um, it's really hard to explain to family that has lived in the same bubble of space forever. I just can't fucking be here anymore. <laughs> um, that's not an acceptable answer. Uh, and that was something that I dealt with for a long time. And then after my uh, ex and I got divorced, 
it was a whole new barrage of, well, why are you staying? Yep. Why would you, so are you, are you going to do this now? Is that why? And, and why aren't you coming to your real home? Uh, and that was, that was a whole different anxiety expectation situation. What, your, your family didn't like the answer, I just love you much more safely at a distance? No, but they should. <laughs> they should, because that's really what it comes down to. I can't. Love you guys. No one's listening. Yeah. Not one of them are listening. <laughs> Come on, Vanessa. Listen to the damn podcast. I think my cousin Jessie's listening. Hi, Jessie. But she gets it. She totally gets it. It's not yeah. a conversation I have to have. Danielle's listening. Danielle might be listening. Ruth yeah. is listening. But yeah. they're not the ones who, oh, right, they're the, I mean, they're you the like other side. Like, you would like it if they moved here? Right. They could come here. They yeah. could totally come here. Um, my, uh, my sad moment, uh, which again is totally tied into that relationship, but it was shortly after. So we, uh, b- brief history. I can't believe this is what I'm talking about now on the podcast. That's funny. I believe it. Yeah. Just I believe it, man, because we yeah. just go. We just We'd, do it. We say all sorts of nonsense. It's therapeutic. It's great. Um, we Therapy's expensive. The brief history. Thera- this is aren't. way cheaper. But like buying the equipment, way cheaper. Uh, my ex-husband and I knew each other when we were in high school. We grew up in the same hometown. Uh, he came here first. We ran into each other. I moved out here. We moved in together. Point being that we didn't really have a relationship before living together. You know, mm-hmm. we dated from afar, so we just jumped in and we're living together, and that was super stressful. Uh, so a few months in, you know, you're arguing with somebody just because you're sharing space, and I had nobody else to talk to. I mean, if there was an issue and we had an argument, where was I going to go? I, you know, who was I going to call to come pick me up? How many times did you lock yourself in the bathroom? Oh my god, so many times! Thank goodness we had two. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not I, coming out. I so. swear to God, that is a secret to a healthy relationship: is two, two bathrooms. bathrooms. Yeah, uh, we had a fight, and I at some point was standing by the the balcony door, looking out at the mountains, just looking out at a dark city which I knew nobody, and I just stood there and felt real sad. Real sad. And that makes me think of Frasier. I felt like I was looking down on a city, looking down on me. (laughs) Did you eat scrambled eggs? At that point, probably. I was probably sitting on the kitchen floor just shoving food in my mouth, because that's real healthy. Uh, But yeah, that was a sad moment, but it was a sad moment against the mountains, which was pretty. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Again, they're looking at me expectantly. and the answer is, I, it's, hard, it's hard to pick one sad moment, right? So for me, obviously moving to L.A. was a long time ago. Um, but I have more recently moved to Baltimore. Yeah, tell us about your Baltimore moment. That's um, fair. It's still, I mean, it's, it's as traumatic, if not more, to have done it and leave behind a whole nother round of life. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, because you guys I actually love at a close distance. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's the thing that has really been hardest because I moved to LA. I knew one person who then I promptly stopped knowing. Um, and then, but I created this family for myself um, and the family who I chose, you know, who I wanted to be around and who made me happy. Um, and it was, it was easy, right? Um, oh no. No, everything is fine. Uh, <laughs> There's no crying in podcasts. Yeah, no crying in podcasts. Um, and so, like, weekends were easy. I knew, I knew, without having to confirm with anyone, that I would see one person from my friend group every right. weekend without having to make an effort. He would get at least one email proposing 17 Something, options right. yeah. for yeah. us to do. And frankly, could you guys reply and tell me what you want to do? Right. Noodle would be like, I read about these three things. Let's do one of them. 
I'd prefer all of them, but I expect one. <laughs> or, I think that's a reasonable expectation, guys. <laughs> or Candy would have something, or Jen would have something, or it'd be like, no, nah, guys, we don't want to fucking do anything. Let's just drink wine or tequila, and depending on the kind of week. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's softball. So there was always something going on. Um, th- one of the things that is hardest about moving somewhere new is that if I want to spend time with the, the new the new people I have tried to bring into my life. It is always fucking effort. It's, I have to call you, and I have to say, here's what I want to do. Um, It can't be just like, hey, man, sup? We're just going to hang out naturally. And no no planning is necessary. And that part is hard. Um, If I choose a cinematic sad moment, because there have been more than one, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) um, it was... uh, you know, this 4th of July, where I had been in Baltimore for a year, and I decided I would just take it easy, because 4th of July is not my favorite, whatever, um, and I'm sitting on my deck um, of the the beautiful home I own, which is something I never was able to do in LA after, like, three years of looking, so, like, obviously there are great things that are happening, but I'm sitting on my deck, drinking a glass of wine, watching the beautiful fireworks, and going, I wish I had my friends here. And that part is hard. Yeah. yeah, it is hard. It's hard, and I don't, I don't know that it, that it goes away to a, to an extent. I mean, you're in in moments, and you're still fresh. You're a year and a half in, so that is still fresh. Um, and you make new friends, and you make new family, and there are still times when you know certain things happen, or I'm in a certain place, and I think. Can't believe Marissa's not here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or I because we know for sure Marissa is listening. Marissa's listening. What's uh, up? So, uh, yeah. Or you just you think uh, I this is the person I want to see right this minute. Right. Right. This. Moment. I want to tell Noodle about my day. Right. And I can do that over the phone. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, close your ears, don't listen. Um, but I, I think that in some ways the relationship. You know, it just isn't as strong when all you're doing oh, is interacting over it's the very phone. different. It, you know? it changes and it morphs and it... It's more superficial. And, and you generally. have to... The same thing, you have to make a plan to yep. do it. You have you to, do. like, balance and out it's difficult. timing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have to make schedule plans with Jess and Elaine to talk yep. on the phone also. And it's it's harder, absolutely. Yep. Um, well, and, and there's something about... When you're super close with someone and you see them regularly, you know about the minutia of their life. And so when you talk about that, it's not a big deal, but it feels like not a great use of time always when you're talking about minutia over the phone because right. you're not Tell you're me not the things that happened as opposed to we experienced the things together right. Right. and now we can right. analyze them as opposed to having to find out what it is that happened first. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very different. Uh, I... My mom thought it was super funny when I kind of started started saying after I'd been here a while, you know, I have a phone date with Shelly on Tuesday, so mm-hmm. I can't talk to you on Tuesday because I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a six o'clock appointment <laughs> and I had to because it's time kept going by and it wasn't uh, working out. It just yeah. wasn't working out other than like calling parent, like calling my mom. That was a. You know, she's going to rush to answer the phone no matter what because her baby <laughs> right. moved across the country. And right. what if she broke her face? Right. Like, I need to answer that. <laughs> it's um, only an emergency. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's weird and it's it's different and it, it does change your relationships. And I don't think always for the, 
the worst, mm-hmm. but it changes. And but you, you have to practice right. healthy relationship skills as opposed to just hanging out. Which right. is part of the making friends as an adult because two things happen. You're, you're an adult now, which I, I feel like is a crap term anyway. Yeah, I'm a grown-up, but also I feel like I'm 14. Like, I don't... I'm a terrible adult. I don't think I'm grown up well at all. <laughs> I'm not adulting very good. I think you're both full of shit. Oh, thanks. I oh. think you're both great adults. Thank uh, you. You own a house and yep. have a very high, powerful job. You're in the healthiest relationship of your life and have the cleanest fucking apartment of anyone I've ever seen that's, in my entire no, life. That's super true. So I, I'm going to invalidate both of those statements and say you're both grown ups and you're both doing a good job at least of presenting. Well, sure. You know, but Thank you. but the the, the thing like is, is is being an adult never stops, right? Like my roof is leaking, uh, oh, no. and I need to find a contractor, and so I have to research them on the internet, and then I have mm-hmm. to stay at home and get quotes, and and I don't want to do any of that, so maybe I haven't been. <laughs> when you get home, if your roof is inside, uh, let us know, yep. and we'll yep. see what we can do to help you out. We're far away, but we'll see. We'll I, see I feel like Noodle would use that as an excuse to try and convince me to come back. Oh, totally. Well, your roof broke. That's a sign. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, there's no, there's no, I feel yeah. like, I mean, I, I have already started doing that. I'm pretty sure. It's, it's planting the seeds. I know you said it was disrespectful before. I'm not sorry. No, I, I know. I know. <laughs> no, it's not. It's seven years in. It's disrespectful. Sure. Okay. I got three years at right. least. I feel like the, the five year mark is when it starts to become not fucking cute anymore. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but yeah, be, being a grown up, making friends and also it's when you're an adult, you have friends and either you, you have friends that you've had forever or it's rare that you make new friends. I feel like especially when you don't leave. Mm-hmm. So yeah. leaving yeah. requires you not only to make new friends, but to figure out how to maneuver maintaining relationships with your old friends in a way you might not have had to do if you didn't leave. And also when you make new friends, inf- infiltrating is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Being, uh, joining a part of a group. No, I feel like I, right. I hardcore okay. infiltrate sure. this group. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting to infiltrate a group that... N- Already exists and might have twenty years of friendship together because they didn't leave. Yeah. Uh, and how do you balance being friends with those people versus catching up on all of the background stuff? And how long does it take till you really feel like okay, we're on equal footing, even though I'm not in here for twenty years? Yeah. Um, but how? I mean, how do you make friends as an adult? Um, well, I have strong opinions about this. Please, Sh- share shocking. Um, so my brother uh, was in San Francisco. Uh, up until recently when he moved to New York. Uh, And he hated San Francisco. Why did he hate San Francisco? Because he didn't have anyone there. He didn't push himself enough to get out of his comfort zone and meet people. Um, Which brother is this? Riley. Just making sure. Hey, Riley. I hope you're listening. Uh, um, As we talked about Ryerson earlier, I feel like it's nice to give him a balance. Also, hey, Noogie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, handsome. You can't have my youngest brother now. You're I don't want him. I'm happily married. It's okay. cool. I just, you know, I just like to know that he exists. Okay. And make sure he knows that he's handsome. Um, so, you know, it had always been easy for him meeting friends in uh, back back home because he was a skateboarder and that was a big part of his identity and he would go out to the skate park and he would meet other skaters and they became his friends. Um well, that seemed less true when he was an adult going to the skate parks in Oakland. Because he got older and nobody else did? Uh, yeah, I think that was some of it, but I think also, you know, it's that new person flake thing that, that happens a little bit more. 
So he's moved to New York, and he's so much happier now because he's already starting to get out and meet new people because he has a person who who can be, you know, his base there. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's really helpful. I don't know. I definitely didn't make any friends on my own when no. I moved here. I mean, every person I met was through my ex-husband, who was already established in Los Angeles. Yeah, you need someone to adopt yeah. you, basically, I, told, for the that's easiest how it felt. Yeah. way to make Absolutely. friends. Absolutely. Or I'd like to recommend being a bartender. Yep. That's a really good uh, way to this, meet people. It helped. Uh, I, I would say 98% of the people that I know in Los Angeles, I met because I was a bartender and uh, at a great bar. I mean, we've talked about this bar a lot on the, the podcast at the bar called Residuals. Um, and I made friends that way. And when I stopped being a bartender, I became better friends with those people because they no longer had to pay me to <laughs> be engaging. I can sure. be engaging on my own. Um, and, and, but without that, the, those first six months when I was not bartending, I, I made one friend I thought, and then, uh, it turned out, no, no, we, yep. we hung out like three times and then she never called me again. And I was basically like brokenhearted. I was like, what is wrong with me? It wasn't me. It was her. Yep. I just like to put that on the record. <laughs> it's not me. Uh, but it's really, really hard without that built in environment but bartending gives you constant conversation people come to you as yep. opposed to you having to reach out to them all the time and also you know you get that like ooh, she's the bartender and she's picking me like it makes you feel right. special right. um but i had to make a really serious effort to develop those relationships with females in the bar not just cute dudes i mean all the dudes yeah not all the dudes cute dudes i, I would have been dudes. more likely to develop the relationships with the cute dudes but like just, you know, dudes in general. Well, uh, but I, I, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking to make friends yeah. with people that I was going to want to hang out with. And so I was like, I'm going to make friends with the women. And I definitely did. I lucked out. Um, but I think without that, I don't know if I ever would have made friends. So the thing that I have been doing to try and make friends in my new place um, is, the, you know, because I don't think you can, I think relying on someone to adopt you um, is unreliable. Ooh. Yep, yep, that is accurate. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so so you do have to take steps um, on your own. And what those steps are is going to be are, are going to be different for everyone. For me, uh, I like the softball, um, and so I knew that one of the very first things that I wanted to do when I got to Baltimore was start playing softball again, because then I would be around other people who liked the thing that I liked. Which um, then translates to liking baseball and going to a baseball game together, going to the bar to watch a baseball game, et cetera, and like general sports fandoms. And so you can build from that. Yeah. Um, and so and so I think the first week I was in Baltimore, I, you know, I found a social league where they played this. And I'm like, hey, you guys have already closed signups, but I want in and I'm a girl. Uh, and you always need girls for softball. <laughs> they opened right back up. <laughs> um, and so I got put on a team. And, you know, Here's the thing. No one on that team ended up being my friend. Um, you know, they were they were a very closed group. They had been playing together for a while. And while they were grateful that I was there filling out their girl ranks, um, you know, they they didn't necessarily want to adopt me. So I was like, OK, well, I'm not going to play with you again just because I've played with you once before. I'm going to get myself put on a different random team and see if they're the one. Uh, nope. No, no one from that team. I mean, a couple of them were Facebook friends. Ooh, 
you know, um, but the the third team that I signed up for um, was filled with great people, you know, oh, who, who were smart and interesting. And now I have been friends with and playing with for several seasons. Um, you know, they they are different from me, but they are smart. They like baseball. We've gone to games together. Um, one of the things, though, that I was thinking about and it has to be hard, which is if you're a non-drinker, making new friends in a new area seems like it's really, really tough. You'd have yeah. to find non-drinking social clubs. Yeah. Or, or you have to be in a place where you can still go to a bar. I right. mean, if you're a recovering alcoholic, I imagine it's that much mm-hmm. more difficult because, yeah, it's, it can be not fun. And maybe you don't want to spend time with people. That's all. It seems like sure. all they do right. is go to the bar. So, I, I, yeah, I imagine that's very difficult. Or you'd have to have a very well-defined hobby. Yep. I, yeah. I don't mean I when I say I. I like crocheting historical scenes. <laughs> I'm sure. going to find five other people who also like crocheting historical right. scenes yep. because, you know, if no matter what it is, there's somebody else who agrees with your kink. Like, yep. they're out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yep. So you'd have to have such a specific hobby. I want to play Pinochle. On Thursdays. Yep. So I'm going to find me a pinochle game on Thursdays. And, yeah. and and that stuff exists. Those are both it old does. lady yeah. Those are I don't know super why. Super old lady That's hobbies. what I had, but that, those are the ones I thought of. So like, you know, uh, so, you know, the next, the thing that I did more recently, because I'm like, you know what? I have one group of friends, and that is an excellent start. But that is also probably not the end-all, be-all. I do, of course, you know, have friends from work, but I think it's important that your entire social circle not come from the place you work. Because what if you change jobs? Yeah. Right. What if you change jobs, or, like, what if you have a falling out with one of them, and it affects, like, everything? Um, Because as a grown-up, you have to think about professional balance. (laughs) Add that to your list of to-dos. Yep. Um, and so I was like, okay, what else do I like? Well, guys, I like wine. Turns <laughs> out. <laughs> and so I... Another good hobby. Yep. Very Maybe reasonable. also an old lady hobby. Yeah. But that's fine. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, let me find a, a wine group I can join. Uh, and so I joined something that I only ever remember as Girls Gone Wine, although I don't think that is their actual name. Um, where it, it's a, It should be. It should be. It's so much better. Um, so where, you know, we go, we taste things, and we get a little sloppy, and chitter chat about wine. Uh, have I found a new bestie from there? Well, no, not yet, <laughs> right. but I haven't stopped. Um, that, I mean, that sounds like the kind of thing where practice makes perfect. Yeah. I think you just keep yeah. drinking wines. What, what did we describe dating one time as trying on different pants? Like, it's the same idea. Yep. You try on pants until the, you find the pants that right. fit. Right. And this group may not be the group for me. I mm-hmm. may try another wine group. Keep trying on pants, man. Yeah. Eventually, you'll just switch over to dresses because they're more comfortable, <laughs> and then nobody knows whether or not you... I won't do that. I keep just oh, dude, pants. I would recommend it. I know you're, you're, you're a no-pants girl. No pants. I mean, I'm wearing pants now. You're totally right. Well, they're tiny they're pants. They're shorts. They're short pants. They're shorts. Mm-hmm. The short pants are. Um, you know, and also uh, board game nights. That's the other thing I yeah, go out and yeah. do. That's so, a good thing. So and Like tabletop? Yes. And like yeah. places host them. Yes. So right. it's not even just, hey, I'm going to try and get together with people that I know to play. Right. Yeah. But it's I can go somewhere. If you're walking by yourself. No. Right? No. And, and they're and, thrilled. And yeah. I have I have walked up to people and say, this game, I have wanted to play it. May I join you? And vice versa. And I hope with that exact cadence. Yeah. yeah. You know, guys, newsflash, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody pauses for two minutes to translate. What did she do? Did she ask to play? Like, what did she just said? You know what? Sure. 
Do you want to sit down? You know yeah. what? There's not that kind of judgment at board game nights. They're all weirdos. <laughs> true, true. That is a great that's environment. Fair. That's fair. Everyone should feel super comfortable. Uh, that's. I think that's a big part of it. Is when you're when you become an adult, <laughs> whenever that happens, you think for you. I don't. I don't think there's an age. I think. Okay. Um, I, I think it's. You, when you're in, when you're a kid and you're in school, you make friends because you make friends. You have extracurriculars, you have crap going on. You're being shuttled from one thing to the next, and those are your friends. You have a built-in. Absolutely. You have a built-in social circle. Absolutely. And then your high school, the same. College, the same. Um, you go to, you go out into the world and you start working, and it's uh, suddenly it's you know the only place you're going to meet people is at work or at a bar. Mm-hmm. You're in that weird mid twenties age group that. There's two places you meet people. You don't really, you haven't, most people haven't yet cultivated massive, passionate hobbies. You know what I mean? We've, everyone's been focused on Unless, getting like, through stuff. Unless you play a sport. Unless you play a sport or, you know, you're a singer or you're involved in community theater. Other than those, like, very specific things, you know, I don't think a lot of 25-year-olds yet maybe know that, you know, like, bingo is their jam. You know, they haven't figured that out yet. So We should, should play try, bingo. Yeah, I we, should we, bingo. we should find a bingo night. We absolutely should. Um, that could be our going out tonight after we go out. Lisa was just looking for one. She I got a know. tip. I saw it on Facebook. I also saw Moonlight Rollerway as doing a Harry Potter thing, but roller skating uh, may not work for I you. I could <laughs> super cheer you guys on from the side. Oh, you know what? I'll wear a giant lion head and like, oh my gosh. yeah. All right, Luna. Uh, I think figuring out what you like to do and spend your time doing is very important, but between being a grown-up and trying to figure out what that is and what is worth your time as an adult, because... You know, we're basically told through most of our childhood the only thing that's important as a grown-up is making money, making babies. Like that's kind of what's <laughs> smacked so into depressing. your face, um, and that's hard. It's hard to do all at once, and especially if you move away at that time in life. Now you're doing three things. <laughs> you know, now you're doing four things, just trying to live. And that's making money, making babies, and making friends. And making friends. Uh, that self-awareness is super important, but we don't have very good self-awareness, who we are in our space, in an environment, and who we are to the people around us until we're much older. You don't have that kind of reflectiveness. Yep. Um, I do. Oh, oh, I think, guys, it's my time to say a super asinine thing, um, which I knew was going to happen at some point. Um, So I also think the important thing about making friends as an adult is not being judgy um, or or sticking to the expectations you have about what who or what your friends should be. Yes. Um, so, like, um, for example, two of my two of the best friends that I'm hanging with in Baltimore are 24, uh, and I'm like, oh man, they are younger than I am. And Baby, <laughs> that feels weird. Feels weird to have have someone who I think is who I really like and is super smart and I super respect and I have fun spending time with, and to be like, oh god, you're so much younger than I am, or you know, there's you know, or this girl who you don't know that well ends up, shows up on your doorstep sobbing, uh, and you're like, I'm pretty sure this is about me, that part. Yep, that, that's Just the one. FYI, that's about me. And you're like, this happened. Who is this crazy girl? Well, that person can become your friend if you let them. I, I think that's <laughs> Noodle <laughs> defying <laughs> expectations <laughs> through tears. <laughs> I think that's part of moving away, because yeah. until you move away, you don't realize that, that world that's cultivated around you that who are the people you speak to don't have to be the people that are in your age group because you went to school with them, don't have to be family, and that's what you have in common. Yep. It's not until you kind of venture out 
they don't have to look like you. They don't right, have to right. agree. You don't have to agree with them on all things. Um, you know, they, I know this seems basic, but like, you know, because in college and growing up, you are put in these preset social circles that are determined by, you know, where you live or what your last name is or, you know, the sports you do. Um, I think that when or you, your major or your major, yeah. um, and and you sort of tend to self-select people who are like you in in a lot of ways, but when you become an adult, you know, th- it's the connection between the people that is more important than what you expected that person should look like. Or, I don't or, think that right. was asinine at all. No, I don't think that was. I, asinine I think at that all. was that was very clear also, and in depth and realistic. We've got about fifteen minutes, so we are gonna we're gonna talk for another uh, ten or so, and then we're gonna wrap it up. We'll, we'll political in a minute, right? 12.30, we should jet? Yeah, I think it's a little less than that if we get a jet by 12.30. Damn. Yeah. All right. I think I think it's a five-minute here and then, and then the wrap-up. We have a very important yep. nail appointment. We have, we've, um, got, we've got spans. Uh, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely, I would move again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I literally just did it. Just so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to go where the, to be able to go where opportunity calls. Were you going to say go where the universe sends you? No. Where your heart mm-hmm. wants you to go. No, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not that guy. Chase the wind. Chase the wind. All right, weirdos. Oh, be a leaf <laughs> on the wind. Oh, oh. No, no, well, no, look, no. You know look. what? It's always too soon. I don't care. It's always too soon. I thought that was very nice. Just because he gets run through. It's not... Sorry, guys. I, I feel like we put a memorandum on Firefly jokes and references it because it's too soon and it makes me sad every single time. And we just said beautiful. there was no crying on podcasts. Love you, Wash. Would you do it again, Noodle? Uh, yeah, I would. Um, but you'd never want to leave LA. No, I don't want to leave in LA. But, you know, if, if something happened, I mean, if there was a big grand event that happened that we were like, okay, we've got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I would do it again. Uh, I don't know that I would ever be as lucky as I have been here in LA and making the friends that I had and meeting my husband and uh, and all those things. Uh, so, you know, it's funny because my mother is gonna move here next week and she's gonna be like, "What the fuck? You're gonna move?" <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, mom. This is this is really not about you. I promise. Um, but I mean, it's, you you can't control the circumstances. Sometimes sometimes it's a job and it takes yep. you away and it's like the mm-hmm. greatest opportunity and you have to do it. Yep. Uh, what if the entire economy crashed tomorrow and I can't afford to do anything of them yeah. live in somebody's basement? Like, right. I mean, these things happen. Right. Uh, it's going to be your basement, Mama Liz, just FYI. <laughs> we're all moving into right? the Right, we're coming to you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the adventure and the risk was worth it. Uh, I don't want to move. I really like Los Angeles. I really like my life here, but... If something happened and you had to do it, do it again. I, I can tell you, Baltimore is quite nice. You know, I have lived there. I've heard <laughs> that Baltimore is mm-hmm. very friendly. Um, you know, and it has excellent person there. It does have excellent, excellent person, <laughs> excellent personage in Baltimore. Uh, I think I, I would move in the sense of you know it's just time to go. If it became just time to go, um, but I do also. I love. I love Los Angeles. I do. It's fu- you know it's fucking hot. Okay, it is hot. It's not hot today. It's not hot it's today. It's misty out. Generally today. speaking, every time I walk outside, I feel like I'm gonna burst into flames. But um, it's worth it so far. I will tell you, um, I don't miss LA. I miss you guys a mm. lot. But like, I think that there is also something to be said for living in a place that feels like 
home. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. And L.A. to me never felt like home between the stupid, ugly palm trees and the sun always trying to burn me. These things, they are not my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, going somewhere else where where those things don't don't happen. And there's a lot more brick. Yeah. I, I dig brick. I dig older school architecture. Yeah, the aesthetic is fantastic. Seasons, guys. Seasons are a big deal. Seasons. That is funny, though, because I love those silly, stupid fucking palm trees. I love them. I think they're goofy. And and when when I look out the window, I think, oh, palm trees. They are tall, stupid weeds. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I think Los Angeles is the most beautiful place, really, in in a long stretch. Because the palm trees and the mountains and the, all those things. But yeah, I mean, those aesthetic are, is aesthetic. Those are not mountains. They are tall, dirty hills. They are dirty. Whatever. <laughs> they are dirty hills. They short mountains. They short The baby mountains. Leave the baby but mountains they alone. Uh, we are going to, uh, well, uh, let's just political minute. Let's political minute. Let's political minute. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of things happened this week uh, in political universe uh, between Manafort and Michael Cohen. Um, but I, my political minute is a reminder and a call out. Excuse me. Uh, the reminder is Michael Cohen is not our friend. He's not a patriot. He's not heroic by uh, going for a plea deal. He is a man who broke the law aggressively uh, with hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions funneled to suppress stories that frankly are a lot of the reason that Trump got elected because they mm-hmm. tried to silence stories that would have changed people's opinions. So I just want to remind people that he is not doing this because it's the right thing to do. He is not doing this for love of country. He's not doing this for patriotic reasons. He is out there trying to save his ass because he doesn't want to go to jail for 65 years. That's what's happening. He here. doesn't have any more options. He, he yeah. doesn't. He's literally like out of options. And it doesn't matter what other people say about him. It doesn't matter how many times his lawyer says he's doing what's right for his family and he made a pledge to the country. No, he fucking didn't, guy. Uh, he broke the rules of this great country that we live in. And as a result, Trump is president. So I just, I just want to remind people that, that the people who are being tried for crimes and turn are not patriots. They, they are just saving the... I, I appreciate the fact that they're going to fold. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not going to be better for us, but it's just a reminder for the reasoning for why. Because if they were such patriots... Where was this when it started happening? Right. Where was Cohen as his lawyer being like, uh, hey, America, your candidate is doing this. This You might want to know. That's the right. That's a patriotic right. gesture. A, a crim- most criminals end up in a position where they're making some sort of deal. Yeah. And that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. So that is the reminder. Uh, the call to action is, as we approach the midterms, my Indivisibles of Sherman Oaks group is doing our first phone banking on September 15th. Because by then, uh, hopefully, voter fatigue has gone away and relaxed and people are ready to get energized again for midterms and woo November midterms so phone banking November 15th if you live in Los Angeles if you're just interested in hearing about how it works let us know I want you to come phone bank with me we're we're going to be supporting yes wait September or November because you said once September and once uh, November the midterms are the midterm voting is in November and we okay. are starting phone banking in September September Excellent. yes okay. so we will be phone banking through November Excellent. Uh, yeah so we're going to have events Pretty much every weekend. Nobody's required to go every weekend. I'm not going every weekend. But uh, September 15th is the first one, and I plan to do at least one a month. 
And if you have recently moved to Los Angeles and you'd like to get more politically involved, this is a great way to meet people that probably have the same interests right? as you. Right, you can come and make friends. I'm, I'm a good down. time in person on the phone also. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that, that was Political Minute, but also we have, we have an upcoming appearance. We do have an upcoming appearance. Uh, so if you guys have been listening for a little while, you'll know that towards the beginning, about eight months ago or so. Wow, look at that, eight God, months. it was a while. Yeah. Uh, we were uh, given the opportunity to guest on All Time Top Ten podcast, and we have been asked to come back, and we will be discussing rage-inducing songs. Uh, it's it's the worst songs ever, rage-inducing yeah, songs. Yeah, it's the songs that make you personally angry. It make you want to smack things, and we're very yeah. excited. Yeah, I mean, that, that fits right in with feminist anthems, I mm-hmm. think, which was our first appearance. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very disparate group of songs because... There are songs that everybody loves that I fucking hate, and uh, there are right. songs that nobody's ever heard of that I fucking hate, and uh, you know there's lots of stuff <laughs> Feel in between. Really good about hating, yeah, these songs. yeah, songs that that make me that make me real mad. But so that's that's our friend Ben Ben Eisen and All Time Top Ten, which you can also find all over the internet. They're yeah. He's way more yeah, he is very, very internet famous. Uh, like I said, did that last line get cut off? I just a little it? smidge. Yeah, I'll just say it again. So he's way more famous than we are. There it is. Uh, and if you want to, uh, we will put a link to All Time Top Ten, so you can go back and listen. This I think will be the third or fourth ep- episode. Yeah. Uh, in in this category, so you can listen to their uh, first so many playlists uh, and all kinds of other stuff. It's all super fun, and we we've all guested on it. All of our friends, it's my dude, my dude has guested on it. Not me, though. Not Kira. Yeah. Well, let's set that up then. We're saying we're here. Mark's been nice. And I think, goodness, I think that's about it, yep. right? I mean, thanks for was, listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. Kira, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. Hello, friends. It was very oh. nice to hang out with you for this little bit. Yeah. And I, I'm going to see you at your next very important appearance, which is at our Manny Petty's. Yes. yes. In about mm-hmm. 10 mm-hmm. minutes. It's, yeah. it's a key. It's maybe, a key maybe someone will take appearance. our picture and uh, we'll all be famous tomorrow. <laughs> and then moving to moving living in Los Angeles for a period of time will have been worth it. Uh, yeah, many, many uh, pet nail salons are the are the new soda shops, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, it's where Absolutely. you get discovered. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I was sitting down. I mean, and I was maybe being real pretty maybe some foot fetish person is going to be like just hanging out and be like, "Oh my God, can I make your feet famous?" And frankly, at this point, sure, sure, I'll take that yeah. check. I don't know, man. I'll totally uh, take I that check. Great feet, man. <laughs> if I can, if I can come up with a fake foot name, and uh, <laughs> all you're doing is looking at my feet, sure. I'm whatever gonna, you want to do You know with what? This picture. is my new goal for today. I'm mm-hmm. going to come up with a toes name for ooh, you. Ooh, ooh. Nice. How about Digit La Pie? Oh my God, that's great. <laughs> what is the matter with you? I would not have thought of that. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was witty. It was fast. And this is why we miss Kira. I'm not going to say move home. But I love you. Thanks I'm going to say move home. You, uh, yeah, you guys really miss my excellent, excellent jokes. You were funny on purpose that time. Well done. Nailed it. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Nailed it. Which happens also could once be a, a week. Reference. Oh, that could <laughs> also be it. Okay. And on okay. that note. We cycle out of control. Uh, this is uh, uh, Chacharone. I'm Candy. And I'm Noodle. And we thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.